Hi, Sandy Mackey here. Hello, Curtis. Here with another episode of Conversations with Ask the Pool Guy. And Pool Girl. So, Pool Guy, what should we converse about today? Well, knowing that I just came back from seven days on a cruise ship, it you, you know me when it comes to work and vacation are kind of the same. I really don't have this change my mode and go from being worker Al to vacationing out. It's kind of all the same and I think it for me what happened over just especially in the last four or five years I've come to realize that when I remove that emotional attachment to things it can all just be okay because it's a decision. It's a decision to find the good in whatever you're doing at every given moment. Right? I mean that's kind of the philosophy we live by. And having been on vacation with my entire in-law side of the family. Uh, it gave me a lot of time to reflect on my life and on people and people's modes and how they operate. And my in-laws, that whole side of the family, these are well-educated well people, but simple. Which is, which is really interesting because here's this whole group of people which, you know, they're all really great in their own way and their own, and own thing, but their thinking is simple, their, their topics of discussion are simple. And it's no judgment on it, it's just, it is. There's no real depth to, to the conversation. And I recognize then how different my life is. Being in that environment, and I know we go out in the work world and we do all that for periods of time, but here I am, for better wor better way of saying, I don't know if there's a better way, trapped for seven days. and it. And trapped isn't necessarily a bad word. It's not like it was some horrible experience because it wasn't. It was a great experience. But it was a constant bombardment of being surrounded by 2,000 people and then this immediate core of family. And all of that time spent talking, as far as I'm concerned, about really menial things. And I know what I appreciate with our work and what we do with the people we associate ourselves with. It allows us to have rich conversation about stuff that really matters, about you know how we can change who we are based on how we think and we can get involved in so much of that, which goes to the marketing that we do, is that how can we really get to the core of it? Not just stay on the surface fluff of all the crap that happens any given day, and, and get, instead we get into these rich soulful conversations. And that's probably one of the greatest things that I appreciate and, and was even reminded of and more aware of post this vacation, which for, it seems like, and maybe I'm not right here, but it seems like everyone on that vacation, the, the, I mean the ship, everybody, it's sort of this, this external please me. There's this external, if I'm doing this, I can avoid emotion. If I'm staying busy, or if I'm distracted, then I don't have to feel. And it was really interesting for me to just sit there and sort of feel it. And as I've told you, I had a couple kind of really cool aha moments and, and more mind-expanding understanding. It didn't come from some great, you know, event that happened, but just the simple moments of time being there in that place and, and it, having the space and, and accepting the space for what it was and I didn't resist it, I didn't fight it, it wasn't like oh this is just another day of more misery. I wasn't miserable at all. I was perfectly okay. 
And I think about now versus the last time we did that eight years ago, I was con constantly resisting it because it, it agitated me, it irritated me, it, I, I wasn't comfortable. And this time I was able to just let it be what it was. And that's the discussion I want to have, I would love to have, is how this workplace that we've created and the culture that we've created kind of allows that discovery if you pay attention. If someone can just let themselves have whatever experience it is in the moment that they're having instead of judging it, instead of it having to be something, or more importantly, instead of comparing it to something else. Oh, remember last time we were on a cruise and we did this? Remember last time when we, and remember, and I don't really care what I ate last night for dinner, nor do I want to talk about the flavors of what it was, because it's in the past. Let's enjoy today's moment and today's meal, and then tomorrow's meal and tomorrow's whatever with work, and it left me a sense it left me a sense, let me cut back and, and go to a comment. Someone had said to me, from the family, had said, so, and this was like a day or two before we were off the cruise, so have you found inspiration and blah, 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 blah. And it was, it was as if I was supposed to see in what other people had done to inspire me. And that was kind of where that, that and again, it's the obvious question because it's what it was easy to ask. But I'm not looking to build what anyone else has built. I'm not trying to do what anyone else has done. So by me seeing what someone else has done doesn't inspire me to, to go and do that. Maybe the and, and but that's what she was getting at was this sense of, well, did you see anything that you want to do? No. I want to do what I want to do, what makes me feel good. I can use the experience. Maybe maybe it gives me a, a starting point. Maybe I saw a little something and I go, well, I could use that for something else. But that's not what I was there for at all. Instead, it was just, let's be here, be in the space, see what happens. And yet, I find myself realizing that I want to explore more of what my capability is within the industry. Not in building a pool vessel. I think that's pretty figured out. I think there's a zillion ways you can do it, and it's all pretty much the same, ultimately. But beyond that, what's the experience and how can we take people with what we do down, the, down a path and a journey? And then more importantly is, how do we tell the story so that people will understand it and want to take that journey with us? So, thoughts in terms of the thousand different things I've said in the last dissertation of minutes? And I don't know what I was going to finish with when I started here. I forgot where I was going with that anyway, but we'll leave that. But I need to acknowledge it because I kind of left it out there and said, let me go back here, and then whatever was there was there, and I forgot. But it'll come out. So, no. I got nothing. You got nothing. I got nothing. You know, the Not one true. thing the one thing about going on vacation that I always appreciate is exploring new places and having new experiences. I'm not one to want to explore places that I've already been. There's a draw definitely for me to find new places. And that's the reason that I would go on vacation. It's not to escape my life. It's just to experience something different. And I think the cruise mentality and maybe what I'm gleaning from some of the conversations that you would have had, a lot of people perhaps that you were with or that were on the cruise with you go on an adventure like that to escape from their real life. So if there was anything that I could glean from that and from 
your draw to what we do. It's that we've, instead of creating a wish for something outside of us that will make us happy once a year, once every five years, you know, that vacation, that um, being able to disconnect from real life and go to somewhere else, we've created that environment in our company and in the way that we work and the way that we think and with what we surround ourselves with in our office space that every day is something that we get to have an adventure with mm -hmm. instead of it being something outside of us. You know, as I look around the office here, we have an airship collection, we have original art, we have pictures of our pools. It's kind of an amusement park for our eyes every day. And with our projects, it's creating that sensory amusement park as well. So I won't say that we're lucky that we have this. I'd say that we very consciously chose this. Mm -hmm. And from the outside, people could say, wow, you're so lucky. But here's the thing. Anybody can be this lucky. You just have to consciously choose it. So I think, you know, that's just a perception that I have from well, your experience. I, I think the luck is really more of a decision. We've decided to surround ourselves with things that, the way you put it, I love that, that it's a, it's a visual amuse, amusement park. But when you break it down a little farther and you realize the visual is happening in your brain. It's not happening in your eyes. It's happening in your brain. Well, what else is happening in your brain? all of your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, all of those things. Well, now we're taking these visual concepts, putting them in there, and mixing them. So it's a visual amusement park, which in turn creates this emotional amusement park, which creates this mental, which creates this sense of discovery. So when we can look at these things that make us happy, quote-unquote, which we know there's no thing that makes us happy, the happiness starts in here. It's the choice to decide that it's okay. These are visual reminders of our happiness. So if we go beyond the physical world and say we're going to surround ourselves with things that make us happy, really what we're saying is they're simply good trigger reminders for us to remember to be happy. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think in our approach to building pools as well, some people want a pool in their backyard so they can just have a place to swim. And some people want it for their kids. And Sometimes it's really hard for us to put into words what our customer needs to want to have us build a pool mm -hmm. for them. And what they're really looking for is kind of the same analogy that I said about, you know, instead of escaping from our lives, we live it every day. And that's one of those reasons that our clients hire us to build their pools is because they want that at their home. So they want that visual happiness and that sensory happiness and all of those elements to come into their home because we're not building for people who need to escape from their day to day and I guess so now I'm going into this tangent of how do we use some of these words because what we do sometimes it's sometimes people land on our website and they completely understand it sometimes people go to our website and if they're not kind of our ideal client then they won't necessarily understand it. But that's one of those things, one of our favorite reasons for building is to build for people who want that kind of experience. And it's really hard to explain it and my words aren't doing it justice. But it's that feeling and it's those things that people are looking to add to their life, like that surprise and delight in their own backyard. That's the reason that people work with us. And it's just a visual representation of who they are. So it's a visual thing. 
that again gets back to their brain churning on the good times and the good feelings and it's not the yard that creates the good times and the good feelings it's how you feel about the yard and the people that creates those and most psychology this is this is kind of a, a cool aha for me most psychology most development books most self-help books most all of that catch the step in between instead of recognizing instead of this this next level is these are simply reminders to ourselves to be happy these things don't make us happy you know it's it's nothing external we can say oh yeah it's internal it's, you got to start from the inside and and really that's true but typically when I read a book about self-help that's talking about being ha happiness is yes it's a decision and then it's these things outside of you that really make it okay and I think it's it's all inside but we need the reminders and that's that's part of our customer base I think a critical piece is these are already content and happy people mm -hmm. they've already found the space in this crazy world there's their space of I'm okay with me, I, I love me and my experience, and I want to continue to enrich it in not, in not a way that everybody's going to like, or not in the way that it's going to look polished and smooth, or it's going to look rich, or it's going to look all these attached words that society would put on it, but rather it's how it makes me feel. Mm -hmm. That's why it's not a theme park. That's why it's not building amusement rides in a theme park because there's a whole different sense of thrill with the theme park. You, if we built true theme parks in people's yards, we would lose the essence of what we are because it would quite it would quickly go to a mailbox that the whole world would put a theme park into. Instead, we're building their space, something it, it's a gift for them from our creative mind that we hope that they can emotionally connect to. It's a lot of words. But it takes a lot of words to try, to try to describe that, but it's it's that whole journey experience from the inside out, not from the outside in. And to put that into a swimming pool, quote unquote, a swimming pool, takes that extra sauce. It takes that extra energy. It takes that that continual commitment to wanting to strive to, to create. Not just to build, but to create. And that's difficult sometimes on a day-to-day -day when you're pouring concrete footings, walls, steel work, you know, there's still all that structural part, but keeping in mind that it's this, this emotional journey that we want to take people on each and every time they experience our product. I think that's what keeps it exciting. And for my vacation time, reminded me there's so much more I want to do. There's so much more I want to try. There's so many more places that I want to discover in myself, but in each of the people that I get to work with. So one of the other things that I think is worth talking about today is for people who are facing the fear of being where we were before we decided this path was right, what kind of advice or guidance is there in those first couple of steps? And I know you mentioned when you were on the cruise, you were really impacted by one of the speakers that was doing some programs about life and living and comedy and things like that. So I'm... Um, specifically thinking too about there's a couple of artists that have recently joined our marketing club and they're kind of at this point where they do amazing work and yet they're a little timid about kind of planting that flag in exactly what it is that they want so I kind of wanted to touch on how that kind of shift happens and 
kind of what somebody can do to get ready for it or kind of propel themselves through the fear part of that? I don't know that the fear ever goes away. I don't think there's ever a point where you go, okay, I'm not fearful, I'm going to do. You know, you, you hear all the different, well, step off the cliff and build your wings on the way and all those. Those are really great visual representations, but they don't get to the core of it. Feel the fear and do it anyway? Yeah, and, and that's really what it comes down to is, I think more than anything else, is break the, your own mental social stigma about what you think people think of you. People don't care. See, when you're going through, let's say you're going through a, a financial hardship, and somehow status is important, and your neighborhood's important, and the car you drive is important, and I recognize that, that that's a social part of, of what we go through in, in our country. If someone hits a challenging spot, and, and maybe they've lived a lifestyle and they hit a challenging spot, the first thing is to hide it. Out of fear of what someone's going to say about you, because you did this thing or that thing happened. And they don't really care. I mean, in the moment it might look like they care because, oh, look what, you know, you're going to get all worried. But they don't, they're worried about them over their own lives. Go internally. How much do you really worry about that guy's thing over there? You don't because you're too worried about your own thing right here. I think in, in so many cases it's because we feel broken ourselves. We ha somehow feel slighted in life, we feel damaged, we feel bullied, we feel abused, we feel all those things, and because we don't deal with that, it's easy to think it's out there. And, and think about, how much do you really care about other people's stuff? You're caring about your own stuff, so what do you think they're doing? They're not really caring, because, and, and the care's not, it's not like they're not empathetic towards it, but, but really they're, self, they're inner, they're self-absorbed self who we all are because we have our own stuff. But I think in a case like that, it's, it's purely recognizing it and stepping out anyway. Because, again, what's the worst thing that could happen? And that was uh, the, the comedian that spoke on the, he did, did several different programs. They were comedy programs, but they were also life, like dealing with bullying or dealing with depression and suicide. And, and he hit some, some spots that, in a crowd of 800 people, most people wouldn't go there. And he did, and he did it successfully. And I know there's people that are hurt, that have all these things and, and are grieving and all of that on, in, that were there. And yet he went there, which I was really amazed at, that he, he said, you know, and, and his whole message was, you know, laughter helps break that, break, you know, momentary break from whatever the grief is, from whatever the, the, the issues are and how important it is and how first responders and cops and all of that have to use some of that humor in the moments that seem so awkward, it's as much for them as someone else because they're dealing with these horrific things. Well, what impacted me was knowing that step out and just try something. And he used an example of, of two women. Uh, one was diagnosed with something that she had six months to live. And uh, so these two women decided they were going to take this dream of a lifetime, you know, bucket list around the world or whatever. And, uh, then the one who was sick started being apprehensive. And the other one said, well, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? And the woman who was terminally ill said, well, I could die. And the woman that was going with her said, well, then pack your casket. 
you know, instead of not doing this, let's do this because the inevitable is going to happen anyway. So why not, you know, having that attitude, well, let's just pack the casket and go. We'll take it with us. If something happens, look, it's ready to go. And it's that attitude. It's that stepping out no matter what and just trying. Because, again, what's the worst that could happen? And the worst is financial ruin. Okay. Is it uh, you lose your stuff? Okay. Is it, I mean, oh, really, what's the worst? You could get injured? Sure, that that could really suck. You could do... Is that really but, what people are afraid of, though, at that no, moment? No, they're, they're, so. they're, they're afraid of social rejection. Yeah. I really think it comes down to really simple things. We we say, oh, I'm afraid of public speaking. You know, it's it, that's worse than fear of dying. I don't think any of that's true. It's all just social rejection. If I look bad in front of people, they're going to laugh at me. And think about it, even if they laughed at you, for how long does that last? A moment in this in this span of life, this moment of something happening, they don't go back and laugh over and over and over and spend the next 10 years looking at you and laughing. They laugh in the moment of you tripping coming through the door or, you know, stubbing your toe or, you know, how you're walking sometimes and your foot catches and everyone looks back to see what was back there. You just tripped. It's okay. But we do have that sense of all of those things happening, but it's easy to use words to say, what's the worst that can happen? You're going to die. And really... That's, that's the farthest from their, their thoughts. Their thoughts are, how am I going to feel? How are other people? Here's the goofy thing. How are other good people feel about me? How are they going to feel? Instead of going, how will I feel about myself? Mm -hmm. Because if you can just figure out how to feel about yourself, then any momentary mistake, any momentary failure is just an event. And as soon as that emotion is taken away from that event, it's just a thing that happened. And I think that's the core of it, is getting to not, number one, no one else cares. Recognize and realize no one else gives a crap. And then number two is they don't even care how you feel about it. It's only you and you're projecting on them. And I think that's, a, that's kind of what's allowed us to be the, the, the creatives that we've become is... We haven't cared about that. We haven't gotten caught up in the rejection. We haven't got caught up in any of those things. Instead, it's if we're not right for you, we're not right for you, boom, love you, and, and you move on. Versus getting attached to, oh, but I want more work, oh, but I want more whatever it is. And I think that's the same thing, you know, we, we talk marketing all the time, but I think it's the same attitude in marketing. Is that the message isn't going to resonate with everybody for a lot of different reasons, and just let it resonate with the ones that make sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's a key right there. What if people are afraid of becoming more specific with their message? And I think for some people, there's that fear of specializing mm -hmm. and how to work through that fear. You know, this past week I had conversations with some artists and I had conversations with an insurance agent who I know from our experience that the more specific that we got, the better everything became, the better people that we were attracting, the better clients the better profitability and I'm trying to impart some of that experience and wisdom that I have from my experiences in I know this will work for you and I know it will work for them because we've guided some other people in making these choices and it's working in carpet cleaning it's working in kitchen remodeling so it's not that it only applies to us because it applies to a lot more people than that and as I'm kind of trying to stress the importance of getting specific with people, I'm hearing their fear of 
but what if? You know, I can do these other things, and I should do these other things, and I don't want to exclude, you know, kind of some of the smaller stuff that they've done in the past, but that's much less profitable. So how to lean through that fear? I think you're really listening to them. They don't want to do those other things. They don't know not to. So here's, here's our world of we're building 40 pools a year more basic stuff, you know, a seasonal business. It's still a crazy whirlwind whatever to get all that work done. And the decision to say, I'm going to go from building 40 to building 5. And that's like a pucker, boy. You go, how is it possible that I could do 5 projects and, and make a living and blah, 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 all the stuff and cover overhead and do all of that instead of doing 40 and and that's a hard that's a hard thing because I know for me and this is our our experiences we had all these phone calls coming in all this stuff which always meant we were going to be busy 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 and the idea of selling every line of insurance and everything means that there's this huge pool of people calling you which means more work more work more work no more money necessarily it's more work and, and trying to go from that to say, but I really only like whatever it is, casualty insurance or whatever the narrow niche would be, all of a sudden you go from a million phone calls to 20 phone calls. And you go, how is it possible that I can make a living off of those 20 phone calls? And, and I know that's that same thing, and I don't care if it's carpet cleaning or if it's, you know, whatever, you name it, it's that same thing, you go from this this massive amount of potential business down to this teeny tiny narrow little market it doesn't logically make sense that it can support and I think that's the challenge is trying to get past the mental to say but that little narrow market is there's no way possible that I can make enough money with that so I gotta have this and I gotta have this and I gotta have this and I gotta have this because someday people want that someday people want that someday people want that someday and I need to be ready for all of them well the reality when you do all of that you're ready for none of them that's just something that we don't know we don't know until we know it, which we now know, having made it across that chasm between the knowing and the unknowing, we can now look back at it and go, there's a great living to be made here. We make more money here. Wait, we have, you know, a thousand times less stress because we're not dealing with people. We can now look back at all the reasons why it was the best decision we could possibly have made. But for us to get someone from here to there, because they, they can't see the unknown. It, it's easy for them to say, well, of course you could do it. Look at what you're selling. You know, so instead of, let's use insurance as an example. Instead of having, you know, 10,000 clients buying your stuff, a little bit of this, 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 and trying to service it all, you might go down to 1,000 clients doing this narrow market. Someone could say, well, it's easy to go from, you know, 40 projects a year to five projects. Yeah, that makes them look at all the money that you generate. Well, really? What if you didn't generate as much money doing 1,000 as you did 10,000, but it was higher, higher profit? Instead of looking at the amount of work, look at it, the margin. And it's the not how much you make, it's how much you keep and all that story. But if you look at the margin... It, all of a sudden it just makes sense because your overheads go down. All the fluff, all the crap that's that's you, you need to support that big staff to keep all that stuff coming in doesn't need to be there anymore. And so that's another one of those, I can't see it until I'm there. 
and I think it's just shit-ass faith. At some point, you just gotta say, I don't care if I live under a bridge in a cardboard box, if that's what it means. Which doesn't ever happen in that particular... It could, I mean, I suppose, but it doesn't. It's the decision-making, that step of quote-unquote faith, that allows you to get across. The standing on one edge never gets you to the other side. The only thing that gets you to the other side is that step out. And amazingly, as soon as you take that step out, it's like a leap across. And it's getting people there. And, and I think, how do they get there? They get sick and tired of being sick and tired. They get frustrated enough where they're either going to do something that's going to snap or they're going to go nuts or they're going to go crazy or whatever it is or they're going to get kicked out of their house, kicked out of their cupboard, whatever it is. Something has to push, and, and this is really the stupid part about humanity, is oftentimes we have to hit that low spot or that really tight squeeze spot before we'll do something. Because it's uncomfortable in our box of comfort, but it's comfortable enough to not be too uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And we just stay there. And until something squeezes us or kicks the living shit out of us, do we do that? And, and it's, it's that point. So I, I guess the easiest way to get there is to force yourself into that position and then you'll do something about it. Most people won't. They'll stay on that edge and keep fighting just enough. Instead of going, let go of all of it, see what happens. And amazingly enough, as we've certainly found out, it, it just, the world, the universal energy of letting go opens up this, you know, I almost picture the movies when, you know, the sky opens up and it starts swirling and who knows what, maybe it's a genie comes down, it's, but all that stuff, it's, it's like it happens, you don't see it, but these magic threads of stuff just start weaving their, their way into your lives. And next thing you know, there you are on the other side of that chasm going, hmm, this is a whole lot nicer over here. Come on over. Mm -hmm. And people are going, oh, I'm afraid. Oh, I'm scared. So the lessons to be pulled from this and from our experiences would be, one, create the life that you love every day, not just on vacation. And then, two, explore your comfort zone and realize that you have one and that to enjoy your life more every day you might have to kind of leap out of that a little bit and there's another part to it I think it's act like a duck you watch a duck swimming across the lake and it's just as calm as could be but underneath man those things are you know it's it's kicking as hard as fast as it can you got to do a lot of kicking and, and you got to do a lot of fighting but if you put the duck upside down and have it flapping in the air, it's going to drown. you got to just go for it and not talk about it, not worry about it, not stress about it, not show it to other people. Because we know a lot of people love to get emotionally involved and be victims and, oh, the world doesn't provide, you're so lucky, how come you get an eye going, it's so unfair, all that same shit. Of course it's unfair, we're all different, we all come from different things, but we can make it as fair as we want it to be. But if we dwell in that place of, oh, I'm not sure, or trying to get social proof whether it's a good idea or a bad idea to do something, I think we no longer become that duck. You know, and I think of all the times that through our story and our journey of things logically on paper we should never have done, but we did anyway, and never showed it to be a challenge, never showed it to be the wrong decision, we did it anyway because we understood that that was part of us growing. And maybe we didn't have that money to go to that conference. We went in anyway. And it might be flying halfway across the world to do it with on money that we didn't have. And, you know, whatever the situation was, we were that duck on the surface. 
people never needed to know. We didn't discuss that with anyone. We didn't, we didn't talk about, oh, how hard it is. We just went ahead and did it anyway. And underneath the surface, we are kicking as hard as we possibly could to make it happen. And I think that's a big piece of it, too, is people want to get caught up in that emotional part of, oh, look at me, look what I'm going through, look at the hard time, look at the challenge, oh, I'm not sure if I want to jump, oh. And, and, and they want that because that's comfortable. It's horrible, but it's somehow comfortable because you're getting attention. Screw the attention. Be the duck. Kick like crazy underneath. And, and then when you get to that edge, you just got to go. Mm -hmm. Well, on that note probably a good place to wrap it up for today. Yeah. So we'll see you next time.